0: welcome to hedge fund tips with tom hayes i'm tom hayes and this is your 114th video cast and 104th podcast for the week ending december 23rd 2021 the eve before christmas eve merry christmas to all who celebrate and we're gonna get right down to it i know people have uh, busy weekends ahead so we'll try to keep this one short but packed with good information First, I'd like to thank Ellie Terrett and Liz Clayman uh, for having me on the Clayman Countdown on Tuesday of this week. We're going to go into that content a little later in the podcast, uh, but I wanted to share a few quick holiday photos with you for those of you who have been with me for a couple of years uh, and gotten to, to know each other. Uh, this is uh, us with the, the, our girls and Santa, and we got Mrs. Claus. Uh, we took that this weekend, which was, was great uh this was gingerbread house making a couple of weeks ago uh this is my wife and i at a friend's house we lost the ugly sweater contest at our friend's house but we did win the couple sweater uh at our club so we uh we were happy to get that uh, uh contest won and then this is something new i played paddle for the first time last night and if you've never played you should try it if you like being out in 25 degree weather at night uh, and uh, and sweating in spite of that and uh, just having a good time. It's basically like uh, ping pong, but you're standing on the ping pong table uh, or mini tennis, whatever you prefer. So uh, so that was a lot of fun, and um, you know, moving on to to the content here. So um, you know, industrial stocks is an area that we've been focused on for. 2022, and we're going to talk about that a little bit later in the uh, uh, podcast. But the core reason is um, if you look at sector earnings. So the S&P 500 has ticked trickled up again. Estimates for 2022 are uh, $223.48, not quite at the 230 yet. But I think within the first couple of weeks of earnings season in January, we, we should see the, see our $230 target hit. Uh, which um, which w- would be uh, uh, put us in that you know low double digits to high single digit range expectations for 2022, uh, and then Tom Lee, one of my favorite sell side analysts, uh, came out three reasons why the S and P is set to rise at least 11% in 2022. He's all- always very optimistic, but I could certainly see that happening, um, and he's pointing to uh, inflation is transitory. He does. Uh, uh, pointed to the surge in prices in used car, new vehicles, and home furnishing. Those are going to all normalize as the supply chain normalizes. And if you look under the surface of some of these prints, the CPI and PPI, often they're you know skewed to um, uh, some of these aberrational issues like he points to with uh, used cars. Uh, midterm elections data, 2022 midterm elections could introduce volatility. Uh, whether Democrats keep control of both chambers or uh of congress the in both scenarios, regardless of who wins, the stock market on average um, fell between five to seven percent in the first half of the year. I think we could even see ten percent I think volatility is going to dramatically tick up relative to twenty uh twenty twenty one and uh but but in the midterm election year i uh, you always see that 5 to 7% in the first half before going on to recover those losses and return 14 to 22% in the second half of the year i guess as there's more clarity on the outcome and that's how he gets to 11% uh guaranteed tina there is no alternative that's been a big driving force for stock prices over the past decade um most uh, and he's saying uh, his point is that if inflation runs runs above three percent, most fixing some income securities will likely lose money uh, in the short term. But in the intermediate term, uh, fixed income will start to compete with equities. And uh, and that's why I think we'll have to be uh, more aggressively on guard in 2024 and slightly on guard in 20. I'm sorry, 20. More aggressively on guard in 2023, and definitely on guard with the volatility in 2022. But we welcome volatility because that's our knitting, and that's where we make our money. Uh, In those 10% market dislocations, there are stocks that that go quality stocks go down 30, 40, 50%, and uh, and that's when we start to scoop up. So uh, we have three quotes for this week. I want to talk about uh, Buffett's first one, our eyes are placed in front because it's more important to look ahead than to look back. I think that's particularly salient as it relates to China and we're going to spend a little time on that today uh, in case you were wondering. Uh, uh, Charlie Munger, uh, all intelligent investing is value investing, acquiring more than you're paying for. You must value the business in order to value the stock. And another way to think about it, is you know if this business were to be taken private what would be the purchase price and you just look at comparable sales in the industry and what are the multiples paid for that business and if they're dramatically under that so you take enterprise value to ebitda and if they're dramatically under that um, you want to be a buyer and if they're dramatically over that you want to be a seller but always think in terms of not what is the stock price today who cares about the stock price what are the prospects of the business what is its historic growth what is its projected growth what is a fair multiple that that uh, someone would pay to take the company private um, and in that context that's where you can find bargains and that's where you find value it really doesn't have anything to do with um growth versus value you know uh, i 'll pay you know forty times earnings for a company uh, if it 's consistently growing earnings at forty percent a year and expected to do so for the next three to five years uh, that That in my view, is a value stock uh, conversely i won 't pay eight times uh, earnings for a stock if it 's expected to have negative earnings growth for the next three years uh, that 's far too expensive, so you have to really take the time and know what you own. And then this Philip Fisher we've covered a couple of times, but uh, the time this is it's never been more true than right now. The market is filled with individuals who know the price of everything and the value of nothing, and you see them everywhere. And all you have to do is listen for the first thirty seconds, and you know exactly what you're dealing with. And sooner or later, um, the bill will come due, and uh, and we'll we'll see who's swimming naked when the tide tide goes out. But, uh, you know, keep this in your mind because uh, I think over the next 18 to 24 months, we're going to see this start to play out pretty aggressively. Um, Americans aren't scared of inflation. This is from Business Insider. Uh, they already think it has peaked. Uh, we agree. We think that the probably the big prints of PPI and CPI in December were probably the highest we're going to see in this cycle. Uh, as the uh, supply chain starts to ease, and and we're probably also going to see that inventory rebuild in 2022. That's going to start to drive growth is going to turn into an inventory glut, uh, probably by the second half of next year, and um, and and that's the story there. So, um, it's it's interesting to see because oh, they also refer to something we started talking to you about 3 or 4 weeks ago which is the 5 year uh inflation break evens are now uh at 260 269 as of Tuesday's close that's down from 3.17% in November that's where they peaked so that's come off a significant amount Um, you know, high-teens percent. Well, you can't do a percent of a percent, but uh, it's it's come down materially. And that's basically saying that inflation looking five years out has moderated and expectations are at 2.69%, which is above trend, which we expect above trend inflation. We think that'll be good for the economy and good for growth and get people to take action. When people think prices are going to be the same forever, they they sit on their hands. But when they know that they're going up, at least moderately, uh, they tend to take action. They tend to take the investment. They tend to build the factory, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So that's that's a positive thing to see. Uh, FDA finally authorized the Pfizer antiviral pill to fight COVID. We're seeing the market up this week on that. We think we'll probably see um a, a follow through even though short term you can get a little overboat th- overbought i think on balance uh santa's coming to town has come to town will continue uh through next week which is that Santa Claus rally period and probably a bit into january before we get a little bit more cautious um so that's promising the other thing is <laughs> there's a lot of talk about um Overvaluation of U.S. stocks and people starting to look to Europe and Japan, etc. We're, we're more focused on emerging markets in China because we think that's the greatest value. But effectively, what's caused the market to be somewhat overvalued is you've got five or six stocks that are, you know, 30% of the weight of the S&P 500, and they have high multiples is basically what it comes down to. And I thought this article was interesting. TikTok was the Internet's most visited site in 2021, even beating Google. And I would I would bookmark this article because it goes to show that while these are somewhat mon- monopolies, Google, Facebook, uh, YouTube, etc., nothing is forever and tiktok came out of nowhere and in 2 years it's got more uh most visits ever and they and they have left uh google and facebook and all these other behemoths in the dust so in that context you could see those type of stocks start to moderate um and and a greater dispersion in the market where The parts of the market, I mean, look, if you look under the surface of the stock market, you've had a handful of stocks that have held held up the indices in 2021. And you've had a lot of other sectors um, just uh, in corrections, bear markets, and collapses underneath the surface. And we think we're going to see a greater recovery in high quality that uh, didn't perform this year. And maybe a more of a moderation of these Uh, stocks that kind of held up the indices next year they'll either perform more in line with the S&P or underperform in some cases Uh, but but I think there's going to be a great opportunity for stock pickers and that's always the case in a rising rate environment uh, where you make a ton of money value cyclicals small caps outperform and we're going to look at the quantitative data here in just a minute Uh, where this is from Bloomberg where to find cheaper alternatives to expensive stocks and what uh, this author, near Kaisar from Bloomberg, is, is referring to, he goes through the P.E. ratios, uh, S&P 500. Uh, and then if you just take one step down, small cap index is, is trading at a... Uh, so the S&P 500 is at 21.9 times. S&P small cap is at 16.4. The value index is at 17.8 but then if you go to Europe it's at 15.2 if you go to emerging markets which is basically forty percent China it's at twelve point seven times which is the low end of its five-year range if you go to European value it's at ten point seven times earnings and if you go and and you gotta put that in the context of look how cheap money is so these multiples are staggering and uh, finally if you go into emerging markets value It's at 8.9 times earnings. So for everyone saying the market's in a bubble, there's half of the world that's in a reverse bubble, Uh, a a cheap value of, well, whatever. You can find tremendous value. And that's why we're focused on emerging markets going into 2022, particularly with a heavyweight on China when no one wants it. By when there's blood in the streets, even when it's a little bit of your own, uh, it's certainly been the case. But um, you know, we've just been harvesting some winners, putting some more work to more money to work uh, in what we think is going to be a home run in 2022. We put a very decent-sized options position out uh, uh, six months and beyond for Alibaba this week, pretty pretty aggressively. And uh, what's interesting is where you start and where you finish up. I mean, this thing now, um, as, it, as it moves up, it's, I, I think, and we'll see, I think this is going to turn out to be one of the best trades of my career when this, when this trade plays out over the next uh, 12 to 18 months, uh, despite the bumpy start. But, um, but this, this points to it. This table right here uh, that the author laid out, uh, this, is where we're, this is where we're fishing, here and here. times, 8.9 times, that's where we're gonna make our money in 2022. Uh, It doesn't preclude us from having, obviously, all the other stuff, it's that, you know, you have to manage sizing and everything else, and we'll have all of this stuff exposure to the rest of the stuff, but we wanna get some good weights here where we can get a lot of uh, value for the the dollar. Uh, Boeing got an order of of 19 of its 767 freighters uh, this week. That stock is trending up uh, the last few days, so that's, that's positive to see. Uh, some more good news out of China. Chinese fi- financial regulators instruct banks to step up bond issuances and loans to boost M&A activity in the property sector. As we said, we're gonna see a lot of stimulus and monetary easing in China. While the rest of the world is tightening china is going to be easing in 2022 and that's why we're getting uh, aggressively aggressively positioned there Uh, china's central bank cuts a benchmark rate for the first time since the pandemic we signaled this was coming everyone said no way well there you have it in the last two weeks not only have you had the reserve requirement ratio cut by 50 bips that's going to come down another 100 bips probably in the next three months you've also had china Lower the one year uh loan prime rate, I'll, albeit it was only five bips. It's the start of the trend into easing, and they're gonna be more and more aggressive with this. And uh so everything is checking off on the boxes, and then here uh China securities regulator ready to communicate with US counterparts on audit oversight cooperation. So um, um The CSRC, which is the China Securities Regulatory Commission, said currently dialogues on audit oversight cooperation between the Chinese and U.S. regulators are ongoing and have yielded positive progress. So, um, uh, Furthermore, with full respect for international norms as well as laws of both jurisdictions and in the spirit of mutual respect and trust building, we believe the regulators will be able to find a solution to satisfying regulatory mandates of both sides, said the CR- CSRC. So ultimately, you know, delisting, as I've said, is, is not really a risk. I mean, VIEs have been around for 20 years, but there was no downside to switch out the shares for Hong Kong, which we did. Uh, our derivatives are our derivative positions are still all on the U.S. ADS. Um, uh, the Baba and our stock holdings are in the Hong Kong ADR, um, the key reason we want to see the U.S. shares stay in place is because when you have U.S. capital, it commands a higher multiple when it's listed on the U.S. exchanges. Number one, there's there's greater liquidity, which is fine. It doesn't matter. Institutions can buy the Hong Kong shares just as well as they can buy the U.S. shares. But uh, the U.S. multiple relative to the Hong Kong multiple historically has been such a widespread that if BABA can stay on the U.S. exchange, it will... Um, make the shares more valuable and and that just pulls up both shares I mean both the Hong Kong and the US trade eight for one exactly at the same valuation but if we stay on the US exchange that valuation is going to be much higher the for both of them than if it only uh, was traded on the Hong Kong exchange and traded more in line with the Hang Seng historic multiple so by staying on the US both uh, get the US multiple if the US is uh, delisted then you might have a potentially a lower multiple in the Hang Seng but probably not because you'll see all the institutional money go there and there's only so much supply of uh, Alibaba ownership and uh, and it would probably command something in line with with the growth rate uh, which slowed o- during the regulatory year but is going to ramp back up and you saw it in the investor day last weekend talking about the huge growth outside of uh, China And talking about hitting the rural areas within China successfully and their young demographic is growing and doing an average merchandise value of 1.4 times the rest of their clients and the cloud services so that's the good news the bad news was um, the, 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 the Alibaba was down a little bit in the last two days because the China's industry ministry pulled support from Alibaba cloud for not reporting a flaw to the government first so they had some bug uh LOG4J, I think it's worldwide, it's not exclusive to Alibaba, <coughs> but they notified the vendors before notifying the government, and everyone's like, oh my god, the government's uh dropping Alibaba Cloud, and if you actually just read a little bit more, uh, what in fact happened was the... Uh, Ministry of Information and Industry, uh, Ministry of Industry and Information Technology is suspending work with Alibaba Cloud uh, uh, as a cybersecurity threat intelligence partner for six months because the company did not immediately report a severe bug in the widely used software, blah, blah, blah. So it's not in perpetuity. It's saying you didn't have the structures in place to immediately notify us before the vendor, you need to show us over the next six months that you're going to do that, uh, et cetera. So they will do that. They were out today with their apology and their uh, process to do it, and and that will get resolved. And it's not a huge part of their uh, business or anything else. Uh, It was just the headline that got the stock. But again, if you remember, um, we are not expecting any miracles before year-end uh, as a matter of fact, um, let me see if I can pull this up. Uh, first, oh, just really quickly before I change the charts here. Here's Cigna. Cigna is one of our favorites. We think this is going to work its way back up to new highs. Uh, and it's been taking off in the last three weeks uh, up to 225 now. I think 226 today from 190. We think this has a lot more to go. Um, and, uh, and we're excited to see that one starting, starting to work. Let's just pull up the 2018 Alibaba. And you can see that when people don't own it, they tend to not want to own it until the calendar changes. Uh, Here we go. All right. So you've got. yeah, so this was how Alibaba bottom. This is basically it looks very similar to how it's been behaving this year and then it puts in a new low and then it rallies up which it did and then this is what happens. You can see it's just pretty similar. Uh we got a little spike up and now a couple days uh down um and that was that coincides with January 3rd 2019. So you had all this weakness in the year end, and then boom, it just rocketed right out uh, and moving uh about 60 points within a matter of uh six weeks right after. So we'll see. Uh history doesn't repeat, but it does have a tendency to rhyme. So we'll see how that plays out. But let's get to the article of the week here. Uh the Grinch is dead, stock market and sentiment results. After the Fed-induced debacle in December 2018, which caused the S&P 500 to cascade down over 16% in three weeks, making it the worst December since the Great Depression, they took the Grinch out back behind the barn and shot him. Uh, There will be no Grinch this year, and Santa Claus is coming to town, and we're already seeing that. Um, So, you know, Mariah Carey's 20-year-old hit, All I Want for Christmas. Uh, I I want five things for Christmas. Uh, First off... Uh, to see an Omicron peak in the U.S. like we saw in South Africa, uh, which is just completely rolled over. It's down, cases are down, peaked on December 12th. Cases are down 77.5% in eight days since. It's probably more now, I think, uh, two more days since I did the TV spot. So probably down over 80%. Next, we want the steeper yield curve. This is the core, you know, what keeps me up at night. This is what keeps me up at night because once this thing inverts, uh, you get a recession 6 to 18 months out. There's still a chance for them to pull this up. In theory, what they're doing right now, which is coming out of the long end of the curve with taper aggressively, uh, we're starting to see the 10-year yield uh, trickle up here this week up about 9 basis points to about 150 bips, uh, up from 141 bips. So that should start to re-steepen the curve, but... Um, uh, we also have the foreign demand that we talked about last week because their yields are so low even at 150 it's a deal for them after hedging out currency but I think we're early enough in the cycle that we could see something that looks like this is is similar to this and then we get a re steepening before finally rolling over that said if we're already rolling over you can see there's there's plenty of time before we get the big crash uh, before the inversion and even after the inversion you get a little time even here as we were going towards flattening you know banks and the uh, S&P 500 climb for you know two two plus more years before getting the crash so uh, but ideally this should be a longer cycle with the millennials and the demography that we've discussed over the last year uh... but i would like to see this start to resteepen in, in coming weeks after the new year and if so this is going to be a much longer cycle than everyone expects uh... third thing i want for christmas is a stronger bid in value it's interesting u.s tech stocks we talked about earlier in the call um, you know this looks very similar to uh... two thousand i'm not calling for some monster tech wreck but i do think there's going to be a rotation where they'll perform less well than some of the groups that have been left behind. And that's, that's uh, historically the case with a um, uh, steepening yield curve and, and rising rates. Um, you saw in tw- 2000 to 2002, the guys buying value in 99 looked like idiots. Uh, by 2001, they were geniuses because they didn't get the upside that everyone got in tech. But they also didn't get the downside, and many of them had 20 to 30% plus years uh, um, th- from 2000 to 2001 to 2002 to 2003, even as the S&P was rolling over, the NASDAQ uh, down 80%, And percent um, uh, But if you pick value smart, energy did very well during that period. Uh, some banks, uh, some cyclicals, industrials, etc. If you picked well... You dramatically outperformed while everyone else was losing money, and I think we're going to see a similar situation in coming years, and you're seeing a similar setup in the value to growth relationship, uh, and also the kind of uh, aggressive valuations of some some pockets of tech. The fourth thing I want for Christmas is China to awaken from its slumber. Uh, as it has in the 12 months preceding every National Party Congress meeting. The next National Party Congress is November 2022. So we're within that 12 month period, the average return for the uh, MSCI China during that period in the ramp up is about 30 to 31%. And then we'll probably exit stage left after that. uh, As you can see, the returns are uh, less favorable. So this is a regular pattern that they do every five years into the National Party Congress and in general with their economy they um, they uh, show their power they overregulate the economy slows down then they have to ease and stimulate the economy rips higher rinse and repeat the economy rips higher a lot of people get rich they crack down uh, common prosperity, etc., uh, etc., cetera, et cetera. and then uh, they realize, oh, no, 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 we can't crush... Uh, capitalism because then people don't have jobs and then they'll riot. So they then stimulate and rinse and repeat. Uh, And then the fifth thing I want for Christmas, even more equity to take advantage of the abundant opportunity ahead of us. When you get the fat pitch down the middle of the plate, you can never have enough personal and client capital to put to work and seize the opportunity. No matter how big you grow over the years, when that right opportunity comes, more is better. I believe the value in very selective high quality large cap China tech right now is the fat pitch down the middle of the plate and can turn twenty twenty two into a home run if done in prudent side size uh, we are we are well prepared and we are really well prepared right now uh, through a combination of stock and some derivatives that we put on this week uh, so we 're excited uh, about our our actual and notional value. Uh, exposure but done in a responsible way you know we've talked many times in the past month about the fund in London who put 80% of their portfolio in Alibaba of a five billion dollar portfolio these are two ex-goldman guys and I think they're going to be right and they're going to make an insane amount of money Uh, their idea is I don't know if they are because their clients may not be around long enough for them to Uh, realize that outcome so you never want to put that type of concentration we've always said never put it in a a concentration where they could carry you out on a stretcher or the rest of the portfolio uh, can't overcompensate uh, until your thesis plays out and um, you know max highest conviction conviction uh, of equity for for high conviction is is 10 to 15 to 20 percent the highest conviction trade uh, will will ever do is is twenty percent uh and uh and we 'll have a, a very diverse rest of the portfolio so uh if we 're wrong uh we can still outperform over over the one to three year time horizon but uh i i 'm very very sanguine about twenty twenty two and how we 're positioned for that and um you know again it 's knowing the value of what you own, not the price. Because when that value is realized, uh, that's where you make your money. So it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I had a funny thought this week. I said, what would happen? You know, Munger's doubled down on his Alibaba position. We'll probably see for Q4 that he bought more. (laughs) But I wonder what would happen to the price of Alibaba stock if we found out in uh, Berkshire's quarterly filing in Q1 of uh, 2022 that uh, that Buffett bought it. Munger talked Buffett into buying it for Berkshire because it was so cheap. And by the way, Munger has talked Buffett into buying Chinese stocks before. They bought BYD, the battery maker, 10 years ago. It did nothing. And, and now it's one of the best investments they've ever had. I think it's uh, 900% returns, but it all happened in like the last couple of years. So it's not out of the question. I'm not sure if Buffett would want to do it in this political climate um, because, you know, candidly, he's uh, too old and too rich to, you know, deal with uh, uh, nasty headlines. But I do think that there's a huge case to be made for it. And if uh, Munger were successful again, uh, what would happen you know you know because everyone knows it 's trading dramatically below intrinsic value, and the risks are all out there, and they 're all known. Um, my guess is if you saw a filing like that uh, you 'd see it trade up to two hundred within a quarter and then it would probably start to climb up from there uh, closer to intrinsic value another thirty percent over the next four or five months, uh, Not to say that that you know that that 's going to happen. But it's to say if you got his blessing, people would then believe in the intrinsic value, even though inherently everyone knows the intrinsic value is there. It would just be like the magic pixie dust that that, uh, uh, makes it realized versus unrealized gains, so to speak. So uh, think in terms of that. Would you buy it if Buffett bought it? And I think more of you would buy it knowing that Buffett owned it at you know two hundred thirty dollars then you would buy it just from your own analytical work at a hundred twenty or hundred twenty five dollars uh... and um and 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 if that's the case you have to ask yourself what about your analytical process are you uh, is lacking that you're willing to leave a hundred dollar move on the table waiting for someone else to confirm it for you that that it it makes sense, um, and and I think that's just generally how the market works. You know, everyone wanted Peloton at a uh, hundred and eighty dollars or whatever it traded up to. No one wants it at thirty eight dollars. Um, you know, everyone wanted um, you know Arc. Uh, it, it's interesting because you know TikTok's the most viewed thing. I scroll through TikTok and we we post our uh, TV interviews on TikTok. And, um, you know, you, you would see this guy, he, he walks around in Palm beach and he interviews wealthy guys and, and and gals in nice cars. And he says, what do you do for a living? And, uh, and one guy, it was literally the top of the. It must've been February, the top of arc. He goes, Oh, just buy arc. <laughs> you know, so he might've traded in that Ferrari for, uh, you know, a Porsche Boxster or something like that. But, uh. Um, you know, everyone wants it when there's, everyone's in agreement and that's when you want to be laying it off. You know, when, when everyone wants it, help them out and, uh, um, you know, and and do, do your own work, do, do the due diligence. So, okay. So the Grinch is dead on Tuesday. I was on Fox business, Mm -hmm. the Clayman countdown with Liz Clayman. Thanks to Liz and Ellie for having me on, uh, below are the show notes for the segment. We could not get to most of this because president Biden's speech took the first 20 minutes of the show and they were short on time. So I made the same case, Uh, the Grinch is dead, Santa's coming to town, Um, I also laid this out before anyone else was talking about it, by the way, the fact that uh, everyone started talking about it yesterday, the case count in South Africa has rolled over 70, it peaked at uh, 37,875 all-time high, and it was at, I think, 8,100 on the day I went on TV. Uh, dropping 77.53, uh, and I said that I think market participants, particularly institutions that get this data, uh, or pay attention to this data rather, because uh, the data is ubiquitous, um, uh, we're, we're paying, paying attention to that and hopeful that this would be the trajectory in markets all around the world, and I think it will be. Uh, the other great thing about it, I think uh, Marco Kalanovic, who we covered last week, uh, is going to be correct that this variant should probably be called Omega instead of Omicron. Omega is the last letter in the Greek alphabet uh, because with 32 mutations and the weakening, everyone I know who's gotten it already, uh, they're sick for, you know, two days, they get a fever, and then, boom, by day three, they feel great. Uh, and then, uh, furthermore, those people who are uh, boosted uh, have their third Pfizer dosage, uh, you know, it's, it's ninety it's it's high percentage of people fully asymptomatic i i almost think if uh people didn't test no one would know that uh you know we wouldn't even have a spike because uh people people simply aren't feeling it uh which is good and that, but that's not to discount it's serious take it serious if you have all comorbidities and that type of stuff um you know be careful in the holidays etc But we have so many more tools. And and to Biden's credit, he's absolutely right. This is not March 2020. Uh, We have the vaccines. We have, you know, 200 million people, I think, fully vaccinated. Um, We have now the treatments. The the Pfizer pill that I've been talking about for the last few weeks um, was approved yesterday. That's going to be a huge deal. Um, And that's that. So the second thing I mentioned to Liz, earnings, despite omicron and the gdp downgrade by goldman sachs goldman sachs downgraded gdp in the first quarter because of the build back better fell through with the uh with uh joe manchin uh biden alluded to the fact that that will probably be rejuvenated in january it'll be a watered down bill which is a positive thing for inflation if anything at all passes you know if nothing passes then no changes to the tax uh you still have the trump tax uh um, situation in place, which is very positive for the economy. Uh, and there would be no um, negotiation on drug pricing. So you're seeing the drug stocks move. So we'll, we'll see if anything gets done. But um, despite that downgrade by Goldman, um, earnings estimates continue to creep up. As I said, 223.48, up 9% for 2022. This is a tailwind for the market gaining high single digits to low double digits in 2022. Uh, The headwinds, second year of a presidential cycle tends to be the weakest of the four. The market will start to discount the removal of liquidity following taper, which ends in March, by the way. And we should see a much bumpier ride in 2022 than we did in 2021. Um, Okay, average returns for the year, high single digits, low double digits, but expect 10% plus pullbacks along the way. I think we're gonna start to see that in 2022. You can see here the table, this is from Ryan Dietrich of the presidential cycle on average the second year is the weakest for equity returns. And then under new presidents, uh, it tends to be even weaker. So uh, keep an eye on that. And then finally, don't fear the reaper. Uh, Everyone's afraid of uh, interest rate hike takeoffs, which um, uh, now people are thinking can happen much earlier than anticipated. Uh, A couple months ago, people were saying one rate hike in 2022, now they're saying three. But the S&P gains on average 7.7% in the 12 months following the first rate hike. This is from Deutsche Bank via Ann Schraders over at Fortune. Analysts at Deutsche Bank identified 13 separate hiking cycles since 1955, which lasted an average under two years. And according to their research, which examined the average price performance of the S&P 500 on a daily basis, there tends to be solid growth in the first year of the hiking cycle with an average return of 7.7% after 365 days however after the initial peak on day 253 after the tightening cycle it's not until day 452 that this level is exceeded again so after that first year they're anticipating uh you know 2024 or uh, it could be as early as 2023 uh that things are going to go flat for a while um day 452 that this level is exceeded again and on uh, even on day 712 it's still trading beneath its level on day 253 they wrote in Deutsche Bank's chart below so this is the chart here it kind of shows the trajectory after rate hikes and um, uh, you can see going into it and then the first 250 some odd days and then you go flat here on average before picking back up uh, and then I put out the Blue Oyster Cult, Don't Fear the Reaper, Don't Fear the Rate Hikes, uh, both in the original version, which is fantastic, and then in the more cowbell version with Will Ferrell on Saturday Night Live, one of my favorite uh, skits from Saturday Night Live, so you may want to click on that and have a few smiles uh, here in the holidays. Uh, and then the last thing I covered with Liz was the 10-year yield Rising favors value, cyclical small caps, a big opportunity in industrial sector in 2022. Industrial earnings growth will be 36% relative to the S&P 500 at 9%. This is not priced in, in our view. Opportunities in subsectors like travel, we like Southwest, bet on recovery, pent-up travel demand. TSA pass-through numbers were greater than 80% of 2019 level this week, over 2 million passengers a day, despite... The Omicron Hysteria uh, defense, uh, we, Raytheon is trading at sixteen and a half times next year's earnings compared to its 18 times historic, 2.5% dividend yield. Uh, supply chain and aerospace will recover in 2022. And finally, GE, the sum of the parts is greater than the whole in the break off, in the breakup and spin out. Larry Culp is one of the best CEOs in the country, came from Danaher, which is one of the greatest compounders of all time. So, <coughs> as you can see in the table below which you can see in the table below which sectors outperformed in the 12 months after the first rate hike and the answer is small caps value and energy are at the top of this list value dramatically outperforms growth 12 months out and you can see here that the median performance for value 12 months out is 13.6 percent the median performance for growth 12 months after the first hike is 4.9 percent and you see energy up 14.9 percent small caps up 15.8 percent so uh, these are the areas that you want to be paying attention to however that's within 12 months after the first hike we have not had the first hike yet uh and we'll talk about that may come in the spring and we'll talk about some of the odds in just a minute but uh we've been comparing uh, by the way this table is from Z- Nomura nomora via zero hedge so uh, give credit to them uh we've been comparing 2022 to 2014 and 2018 i.e higher volatility years after low volatility years of 2013 and 2017. We're giving greater weight to 2014 because it was also a taper year. So uh, this table here is from Putnam and Bloomberg. Uh, this was the S&P sector performance during taper. Now keep in mind, our taper is only gonna be, it already started in November, it's gonna end in March, and look at what outperforms. One of the biggest performers is healthcare, uh, and that's why we like Cigna so much, and that's why we're seeing Cigna take off in some of the drug stocks that we've talked about in recent weeks. But uh, this game ends in March, so you you already mostly want to ha- have had your exposure. There might be some opportunity in some laggard pharmaceutical stocks, particularly if that Build Back Better program gets flushed, uh, then the pharma stocks are really going to rip high, The you know, the ones that uh, have been smoked like... Um, Bristol Myers, AstraZeneca, Novartis, uh, et cetera. The, the, those ilk uh, are, are going to move. So while small caps, energy, and value uh, outperform in the twelve months following the first rate hike, uh, which may come this spring, for uh, for the November through March, the taper period, we may see some continued legs in healthcare, uh, which we covered in the table above. Here are the rate hike odds. Aug- The rate hike odds for May 4th, 2022 FOMC meeting, they continue to creep up. So right now, they have a uh, 25 to 50 basis point target at 49.4% probability uh, on the May 4th Fed meeting. That's climbed up in the last month. From 39.2% probability to 49.4% probability. So people are really thinking, if not March, by the May meeting, uh, you'll see that first rate hike ha- has already uh, been in place. And that's when you shift from this taper playbook to this post-taper playbook, uh, uh, rate hike playbook, which favors small caps of energy value, etc., cetera, cyclicals. Um, so tailwinds for Santa, while we've had a nice move in the past two sessions and may breathe for a session or two, here are a few indicators that suggest Santa has some gas in the tank for the final week heading into January. Here's the uh, 10-day moving average of the put-call ratio starting to roll over. That was peak fear and pessimism. That always aligns with um, uh, that type of the, those bottoms, which we just got out of. Um, and that will roll over here 's the nasdaq one percent exponential moving average of the advanced decline ratio uh, when it it tends to bottom at these levels you get a you get a bounce 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 so we 're closer to the bottom than we are to the top same thing with the nasdaq up down on balance volume oscillator again it 's getting to those levels where you get these big bounces okay and then finally uh, two more The PMO buy all we like this one It's down back at the zero level I think it ticked up a little a few points but uh, at hundred is where we start to look to peel off uh, down here is where we're, we're we're buyers same with the bullish percent S, uh, S&P 500 again it's at those levels where you get these bounces this is the S&P 500 below and you can just line it up and see um, okay, now China, bull in a China shop. So last week we showed you what happened each time the Hang Seng index traded below book value as it is now. This was the chart. We'll get to that in a second. <coughs> this week we have a few more charts to give you an idea of where we may be in the cycle. So this is the Hang Seng index. It's trading at its lowest relative to world peers. Since 1998, so this is the Hang Seng Index relative to the MSCI All All World Index, okay? And this is the ratio. The last time it was down here was 1998, uh, and these are the type of uh, extremes that I like to play. Now, the last time the rubber band got stretched this far, Hang Seng relative to the world, it rebounded 156 percent. Over the next 12 months. So, uh, excuse me, over the next 17 months. Now, this is not a stock moving 156% in 17 months. This is the whole Hang Seng Index moving 156% over the next 17 months. This means many of the individual stocks were up 200, 250. I'll bet you could even find a bunch above 300% or more over that same 17 month period so this is where that ratio got to this level this is what happened to the index up 156 percent over the next uh, 17 months now here's the magnitude of the rallies in the Hang Seng index from last week's price to book chart so uh, the Hang Seng index uh, has only traded below book one this is close to it two three for this is the fifth time in the last 30 years, give or take, or 26 years, and here's what happened after it traded down to this level. Uh, we're at the fifth time now. It did it four other times in the last 30 years. In 1998, when it traded below book, it went up 156% in the next 17 months. In 2018, when it traded down to book it went up 110.77% in the next 21 months. In 2016, when it traded down to book, it went up 82.52% in the next 23 months. And in 2020, uh, 2020, uh, when it traded down to book, it rallied 35.99% in 11 months. That's when BABA traded up to $320 or wherever it peaked out at. Uh, And now we're back down to book and I think we're going to see a monster move here as well. So this helps you visualize 156% rally every time it got down to this level, 110% rally, 88% rally, 35.11, 35.99. And even if we saw what Goldman expects the average 31% into the China National Congress, you're going to see tons of stocks up 100 and 150%, which would be phenomenal. As a point of reference, during the two periods that the Hang Seng reverted from depressed levels while Alibaba was a public company, here's what happened to Alibaba. So the um, Hang Seng recovered 156%. Alibaba recovered 234%. Excuse me. uh, This is 2016%. 2016. So the 2016 rally, the Hang Seng recovered 82% and Alibaba in 2016 recovered 234%. So the index did 82% after it traded down to book. Alibaba did 234% uh, over that same period. And then in 2020, the index recovered thirty-five point nine percent after trading down to book and uh, Alibaba recovered 70 percent so in both cases Alibaba doubled the returns of the Hang Seng after it traded down to book and recovered uh, so uh, so we're expecting more of that uh, no guarantees of future results but you know it's a pretty long track record of the the cycle so Uh, here's another chart this week that mimics Goldman Sachs report we covered two weeks ago on our podcast video cast, as well as the normal three to five year rhythm we've been emphasizing in the last month or so. First, you get the regulatory crackdown, then you get regulatory crackdown, then you get the slowdown, then you get the stimulus and easing, uh, and then you get the huge rally rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. Happens keeps happening over and over and over. Now, on to the shorter-term view for the general market. This week's AAII sentiment survey result, the bullish percent ticked up to 29.6% this week from 25.2% last week. Uh, Retail optimism is slowly rebuilding. So you can see it here in the chart. The fear and greed was still at 37% up from 34 last week this is still favors being a buyer versus being a seller as you can see here in the longer term chart and the national association of active investment managers let's see what this where this is at um because uh it was at 52 last night which means they've got to chase into year end let's see if they've started because they print on thursday afternoon Uh, It's at 6702. So they still got a long way to go. If Santa comes to town, they're going to be chasing the reindeers like it's going out of style to catch up. Uh, Our outlook for 2022 remains intact. High single-digit to low double-digit returns for the S&P and much more volatility as participants sniff out the liquidity withdrawal by Q2 of next year. We will continue to be focused on buying those areas of high quality that are on sale and trading at reasonable valuations. We'll go into more on this week's podcast video. We just did that. Uh, See you then. So... um, So that's the story there and then let's just go through some of the uh, economic data like we close out with each week and we'll get you on your way to have a happy holidays, Merry Christmas and uh, well, we'll see you before the new year next week. So let's go here and economic calendar okay this week and US okay so what we know is okay uh, US leading index on Monday came in a little better than expected that's good to see API crude uh, that's the Tuesday night had a draw of 3.7 relative to 2.6 Uh, Oil's trading up on on, uh, that and also the EIA. Core CPE came in a little hotter than expected on Wednesday. Um, Consumer Confidence came in better than expected. The uh, Consumer Conference Board came in at 115.8 versus 110.8. Shows the strength, even with Omicron scaring for the last three weeks, uh, the consumer is in good shape. Uh, Inventory draw was uh, uh, the EIA report. Negative 4.7 million barrels versus uh, negative 2.7, so that's positive for energy and oil. We saw that. Continuing claims was higher than expected. I don't like to see that. Uh, that was this morning. Core CPE year-on-year was hotter than expected, uh, and um, durable goods orders came in much better than expected at 2.5% versus 1.6%. Uh, goods orders non-defense ex-air, were lower than expected, and initial jobless claims were in line with expectations. Consumer expectations better than expected. Consumer sent- sentiment slightly better than expected, 70.6 versus 70.4. New home sales were a little lighter than expected. Um, inflation expectations were 4.8 versus 4.9%. So those expectations are coming down. That's actually a good thing, which we covered with the five-year break evens. And, uh, and that's basically all the core data for this week. So with that said, I want to thank you for listening in. Happy holidays. We'll be back next week, same time, same place. In the meantime, make it a great one.